Africa rise and shine Africa zola Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisolo Hoko and Figilele Nwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, South Africa's President Sol Ramaphosa takes over the rotational chair of the African Union and Nigeria to recover 300 million stolen by its former military ruler. In economics news, South Africans brace themselves for stage one load shedding. And in sports news, England beat South Africa in third ODI to draw series. But first up, the news with Anne Moussa. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. South Africa's opposition EFF says it has no confidence in President Cyril Ramaphosa's ability to chair the African Union. Ramaphosa assumed the position at the AU headquarters in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, but EFF leader Julius Malema says the continent will be able to see that Ramaphosa wants to be in power and lacks the ability to lead. Malema addressed the media in Centurion in South Africa's capital Pretoria on Sunday. At least the continent will get to see what we see here in South Africa. A man who wants to be on top and do nothing. So that's Sir Ramaphosa. We just want to be on top and do nothing. So it gives us an opportunity uh, for the whole continent to see that we are not unreasonable. We are being led by a person who has got no vision, who does a lot of talk and no action. African leaders have condemned U.S. President Donald Trump's Mideast peace plan as illegitimate, taking advantage of an African Union summit to voice solidarity with the Palestinian cause. AU Commission Chairperson Musafaki Mohammed told heads of state that, he pla- that the plan unveiled in late January represented the violation of multiple United Nations and African Union resolutions. Trump's long-delayed peace proposals were immediately rejected by the Palestinians, who have boycotted his administration administration over its pro-Israel stance. The proposals include giving Israel the green light to enact settlements in the occupied West Bank, the largest part of the territories the Palestinians see as their future state. The United States has officially reacted to plans by Guinean President Alpha Conde to revise the Constitution in a move aimed at running for a third term in office. Conde announced last week that the country will hold a two-way vote on the 1st of March for legislative elections and a controversial constitutional referendum. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo posted on Twitter that America was concerned over Guinea's current plan to hold legislative elections and a constitutional referendum. Since mid-October, the West African nation has been the scene of protests against the long-standing plan of the president who was elected in 2010 and re-elected in 2015 to contest the 2020 presidential race. The U.S. also cautioned against repression of opposing voices. 
As the death toll from the coronavirus rises to more than 900 in China, a team of international experts led by the World Health Organization has left for Beijing to help investigate the epidemic, which has so far claimed 908 lives on the mainland. WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, who made a trip to Beijing for talks with President Xi Jinping and Chinese ministers in late January, returned with an agreement on sending an international mission. WHO veteran Dr. Bruce Awood, a Canadian epidemiologist and emergencies expert, will lead the team. The WHO has declared the outbreak a global emergency. And finally, Iran says it launched a satellite into space, but that it failed to reach orbit as planned. The United States is opposed to Iran's space program, which it believes is a cover for the development of missiles. The BBC's Alan Johnston reports. The Iranians have talked of their success in managing to get the satellite into space, but they admit things didn't go as planned. The satellite didn't go into orbit. So the mission failed, just as Iran's previous attempt last year was also unsuccessful. But the Americans are still likely to be uneasy. They worry that the rockets Iran uses to hurl a satellite into space could be adapted to carry a nuclear warhead. And that's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African time. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Channel Africa One. On Twitter, at Channel Africa One. And YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. Newly inaugurated African Union Chair South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa says that the dream of Africa's rich resources being used for the collective benefit of Africans is soon to be realised. Ramaphosa said this in his acceptance speech of the chair role at the AU Heads of State and Government Summit in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia on Sunday. He said South Africa will prioritise the promotion of a prosperous and peaceful continent during its one-year tenure at the AU's helm. Busi Chimabe reports. AU Chair President Cyril Ramaphosa has said that the era when Africa was a pit stop in the global assembly line has passed. In his inaugural speech in Addis Ababa, Ramaphosa said that the African Continental Free Trade Agreement must be implemented in a way that will benefit Africans. We must all ensure that the AFCTA does not become a conduit for products with minimal African value addition to enter and penetrate our local markets under the guise of continental integration. There must be a reasonable standard set for what constitutes a product that is proudly made in Africa. We have to level the playing field for African businesses so that they are able to operate in a large-scale market unfettered by regulatory fragmentation. The ACFTA, which is scheduled to become operational in June this year, 
will see the creation of the world's largest common market with a population of more than a billion people and a combined GDP of 3 trillion US dollars. However, Ramaphosa has said that women must be empowered to benefit from a revitalized continental economy. He has proposed that the years 2020 to 2030 be declared the decade of women's economic inclusion, saying more practical and sustainable ways must be found to achieve this. Agenda 2063 calls for the allocation of at least 25% of public procurement to be for women-owned businesses, yet women-owned businesses are given less than 1% of procurement. We need to change this. It is not unreasonable to advocate for preferential public procurement legislation to advantage women-owned businesses and for the establishment of preferential trade and customs regimes for women. United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres's remarks to the AU opening assembly on the slow progress in eradicating poverty on the African continent highlighted the need for a continental trade area. Africa has long been a victim of a globalization that has not benefited all nations equitably. With agriculture and other subsidies, trade and financial rules and distorted markets working often to the detriment of the African continent. And that is why I will continue to advocate for a fair globalization that works for all nations and not all, and all people. In line with his commitment to promoting peace and security, Ramaphosa announced that South Africa will convene an extraordinary summit in May this year on silencing the guns to assess progress on the resolution of conflicts. He said Libya and South Sudan are of pressing importance. We will work with President Denis Sassou in his capacity as the chairperson of the AU High-Level Committee on Libya to convene an intra-Libyan conference to promote ceasefire and dialogue. We will continue to work with the parties in South Sudan with a view to implementing the outstanding issues of the revitalized agreement in order to pave the way for the formation of the government of national unity. The summit continues on Monday with discussions expected on various themes including the upcoming global climate change meeting COP26, AU institutional reforms and health funding amongst others. That report by Busi Chimombo in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Meanwhile, African Union leaders have admitted that the human rights violations on the continent are on the rise. The United Nations says it trusts that South Africa, as the chair for 2020, has the ability to encourage the continent to implement human rights. Koleta Wanjohi reports from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres says South Africa must assist African states turn this around as the chair of the AU. The UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres says South Africa as the chair of the African Union this year must assist African states to turn this around. Antonio Guterres is the UN Secretary-General. South Africa is also a country in which human rights are extremely important and that for us is vital, especially in the South, uh, to have a southern felt human rights commitment, uh, which uh, is also a lesson sometimes to the developed world where 
people sometimes talk a lot about human rights but not, not necessarily practice them in, in, in many aspects. Instruments of justice in the continent are decrying lack of enough support. The African Court of Peoples and Human Rights, for example, says it does not have full membership from the whole continent. Honorable Justice Sylvain Ore is the president of the African Court on Human and People's Rights. There is only 30 countries out of the 54, 55 uh, composed, uh, composing the African Union that have uh, ratified the, the, the protocol. And we want all the country, we want uh, universal ratification. All the member states of the African Union should ratify the protocol. Our population, our people need to be protected by this uh, mechanism. So we hope that on, this, on the theme, uh, one of the subjects of the, in, the, in the agenda uh, to encourage the states to ratify the protocol of the courts. Not only that, but to make the declaration, because there is also the declaration to allow citizens, NGO, to have direct access to the courts. The Arusha-based African court says it is unfortunate that some states are still refusing to honor the court. In 2019, the Tanzanian government withdrew the right of individuals and non-governmental organizations to directly file cases against it at the African court. The court says such instances make it ineffective. Honorable Justice Sylvain Ore is the president of the African Court on Human and People's Rights. It's very unfortunate because they are the same one who have created the court and now the court is doing its job perfectly using the treaties the protocol, the international law. And uh, now that when we, uh, we decide, when we give a decision uh, that uh, condemn them, that sanction them, now they refuse to, to, to implement, or even uh, some want to withdraw their declaration. It's their right, but uh, I think uh, we should have uh, some discussion the court plans to have regular meetings with member states to explain its work and how valuable it is in reducing human rights violations in the continent. Koleto Anjohi, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. In each and every one of us, there, there is a purpose and grace. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to, to live your life, life by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation. motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by, by design, design, be the architect of your life. life. Only on Channel Africa, be African, be African perspective. perspective. It's 7.15 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, South Africa's President Sul Ramaphosa took over the chairmanship of the African Union yesterday where he committed to ensuring peace and security on the continent. Speaking during his inaugural speech, Ramaphosa said that in May this year, South Africa will convene an extraordinary summit on silencing the guns and to assess the progress made to end conflict. For a perspective on this, we're now joined on the line by advocate Sipo Mandula, a researcher with the Institute for Dispute Resolution in Africa at the University of South Africa. Advocate Mandula, good morning and thank you for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Yes, 
Are you well, sir? To the listener. Thank you so much, Advocate. Now, what's the first thing you think um, Ramaphosa should deal with as the AU chair? You know, Sister Lulu, it is, it is quite difficult. It has been assigned already to... Uh, committees to chair the one being infrastructure and the and the second one being the climate change. Considering that in the Sadek region we have been going through some uh, uncertain climate uh, changes, and as well in the eastern uh, part of the uh, continent, we have been having locust uh, attacks that have been going on. So I think one of the issues again it is his role in the APRM. Remember that the Africa Peer Review will be sharing that uh, 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 structure for almost two years compared to this one year, which is almost 11 months of running the African Union. And, uh, and uh, one will say that even to align his work with the theme and link it with the national duties back home, because I think one of the issues is that we should not forget is that the uh, president is facing a mammoth task of the state of the nation this week and as well as these uh, domestic challenges. Now, in terms of uh, the role that he's taken over, other presidents have, uh, you know, had this role. It's a rotational role on an annual basis. What should be different with Ramaphosa's role currently with just considering what you've just mentioned, the domestic issues on the one hand and now um, the issues on, on, on the continent? You notice, I think what he has said and he has emphasized is the collective leadership and working closely with the secretariat. Remember that it's just ceremonially, but the day-to-day running will be done by the AU uh, 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 chief executive officer, Faki, uh, 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 who will be running with other committees. But what is so challenging as well, it is that he has the Sahel, he has Libya, he has the southern Sudan, on his doorstep now that he has to deal with uh, as well on the issues of conflict resolution. You have the Africa free trade as well. You still have illegal dumping of fake goods. You have the issue of a cross-border uh, uh, movement of people. And at the same time, you will be having the goods uh, as well. So those are the challenges that he will be facing, that to say, how is he going to manage this? And at the same time, saying that he will want to have a collective leadership of other heads of state who will be uh, assisting him, and even other foreign ministers. Remember that the AU is run even by the foreign ministers, actually, because they are the ones who will prepare documents for this heads of state. So some of the work is in the technocrats who must be the one implementing this Agenda 2063, Aspiration 4, which talks about peaceful and secure Africa. And if silencing of guns again, it is a bit too late. Is it a shallow dream? Is it a facade? That are we silencing corruption? Are we silencing poverty? What are we really silencing, even if we know that conflicts are a business in this continent? Now, in silencing the guns in Africa by 2020 being the theme, as you've just touched on, um, he also spoke about uh, um, the foreign uh, countries that uh, seem to have a hold on the continent in different countries. For instance, we can speak of countries like uh, um, the Democratic Republic of Congo where, or Sierra Leone, where there's international global players who seem to be benefiting from the the, the dispute
disputes or the the discord on the African continent. And he said he is going to ensure that uh, the African Union deals with these countries and ensures that they back away and let African countries run and uh, maintain themselves. Do you think that's a, that's a very bold statement? That is, but at the same time, we have to be of peace and security council of the AU. How do we strengthen that architect in terms of the work of peace and security on mediation? A case in point to see Libya, that the foreign countries have been involved in Libya. The case of the Grand Renaissance was being resolved in Washington. It is only now even the Sahel. You have France having an interest in the Mali and other places there. And at the same time, you have this issue of the donor funding. So one would say that even, like I said, the mediators in the continent is how do we strengthen, we build from women to youth. Because I think one of his key areas that he highlighted yesterday as well was to link silencing of guns with Resolution 1325 of the United Nations on the role of women in peacekeeping and peace building. So you have these women in the uh, continent who are suffering, who are struggling, who are the victims of conflict, and children uh, as well, the youth who are being used as the child soldiers. I think that's one part that he has not dwelled into it, and cultural diplomacy, Sister Lula, will still emphasize on it that without cultural diplomacy and exchange of different African countries who are going to struggle with this concept of developmental continent. Is South Africa in a good position to advance intercontinental trade? on the, you know, the trade agreement? Remember, they were the last uh, uh, signatories with uh, uh, Lagos, you know. What is worrying me is that how have we popularized it back at home in the trade uh, sites, in the cultural sites, in the markets? How have we dealt with it? More so, we have an influx of foreign goods in this region. So for me, it is that what has the Minister of Trade and Industry have been doing for us to understand that from May last year until May this year again in South Africa, where they'll be having another meeting and Chad will only decide in July about operationalize. I mean, how do we operationalize the this Africa free trade? For me, it's for the small businesses in the continent, if they can benefit. Those mothers who are selling the crafts, those people who are selling uh, uh, raw material, are the people who must benefit first. Now, Advocate Mandula, you've worked as as an election observer over a number of elections on the continent, and uh, we've seen the the um, high court decision of Malawi, um, you know, for the country to go for another vote and nullifying the elections that took place, uh, um, I think, in 2019. And now we've seen uh, um, a president, uh, Peter Mutarika, coming out and stating that He's going to court, he's going to challenge this decision. And, uh, you know, what does this do? What does this say about African leaders and not wanting to step away from power after a certain period? Remember, Sister Lulu, my prof, he's a legal mind. He might be trying to use both sides that as a legally, he wants to take this uh, matter to uh, appeal, joined, by the way, by a Malawian uh, electoral commission, the Judge uh, answer say that the days that the uh, court has even specified are not enough. They will need 251 days to can prepare for those uh, elections. 
So there is the lamentation, but like you are saying, again, this is one area that uh, President Ramaphosa in the AU must strengthen electoral democracy and the role of observer missions. Why are we still held by the Kenyan situation where there is undermining of the rule of law? Remember Kenya in 2017 nullified those elections based on the electoral irregularities, not because there was political favoritism. So hence, again, we are still caught up about the role of observers in African elections. What are we really working on if we are having challenges of this nature? And then Malawi is facing itself now, even in terms of executive power. Now you have Chilima coming back to the vice presidency. Again, this is going to another headache about how they're going to manage it. And they are pushing for the current chair, person of electoral commission, to even resign. So we are, we are beating a fatigue of electoral democracy in the Southern region, despite Namibia was able to can confirm those election results. The Botswana failed, Renamo, Frelimo, uh, there's another headache there. So you can see that the SADC is embroiled with this electoral democracy test. Now, something just to touch on before, uh, but I have to find out from you your thoughts in terms of um, what the president said with regards to, um, uh, you know, another region, not on the African continent, but in the Middle East, where mm-hmm. he, um, you know, touched on the, the Middle East plan by U.S. President Donald Trump, stating that it's another form of uh, apartheid that yes. South Africa has gone through in history. And the fact that uh, not all parties in the Middle East were consulted or were spoken to with regards to this Middle East peace plan that uh, the U.S. president has table has put on the table, and uh, you know, uh, UN analysts have uh, independent analysts have come out and stated that it is a very lopsided um, a, a peace plan that only works for the Israelis. What's your take on this peace plan and how boldly uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa, as the you know a you chair taking yeah. over um, stated the fact that this is unacceptable. No, that is quite true, but you will understand that that is the voice of the heads of state of the AU when Cyril was speaking there because the issue of the Middle East, Palestinian question, Israeli question has been in the files of the Organization of African Unity since the 1960s to the 70s. So it's not something new to the AU to be always being uh, uh, having the issue of the Palestinian question. The former president uh, Nelson Wachmandel dealt with it as well. At some point he was struggling with it. And then you will find that even now, the role of the AU now is looking at the issues of people who are crossing the borders as well with this conflict. But at the same time, the role of the UN. This is one area which the UN has been found wanting. They have got many resolutions on this conflict, but they have never come to its fruition. So even the AU must not be held bent on resolutions and media grandstanding. Uh, they must find their way. How are they going to influence mediation? How are they going to be holding America out of this peace process? Like I said, America is intervening in many conflicts, and America is using its power as a superpower in, in terms of uh, international law. Advocate Mandula, we have run out of time, but uh, just in closing, to find out um, with regards to uh, a meaningful, uh, you know, uh, making a meaningful difference on the African continent through the AU, 
Is South Africa going to be ma- going to manage to do that? As you say, um, it's yes, it's, it's, it shouldn't be about grandstanding, but it should be about deliverables. The president uh, touched on uh, climate change, infrastructure development. He touched on uh, uh, women in business, women in power. Um, he touched on the fact that uh, a lot still needs to be done and uh, on the Africa trade uh, mm-hmm. agreement. A lot of work still needs to be done. Is a year enough for any African Union chair to be able to um, sit at the head and uh, facilitate using the the secretariat and and, and Musafaki on the ground in ensuring that deliverables are met? I think it is for our uh, president to link the work he do at the AU with his own national. Uh, uh, question here or the national uh, interest, hence Agenda 2063 must be linked to our national development plan, which is going to another new decade. And at the same time, you look at the role that he has to look at, like you are saying, it is not enough for 11 months in that office, but we are very influential at the AU system. We should not be very shy to can mention that in peace and security, we are having our our uh, intellectuals there and our operatives who are inside the, the APRN is based in Houting, the Pan-African Parliament, it is based here. So it, is, it will be good for him not to only rely on moving with the uh, APRN process. Remember that Seychelles and Zimbabwe, they have, got, they have uh, acceded to be reviewed. That is another headache and Zimbabwe is going through the national dialogue. So president must be focusing even as well on the national challenges. Like I say, it is a demarcation process time. It is a local government election period. At the same time, domestic challenges. He has to manage them through his ministers because he has ministers. And at the same time, he's got the minister of foreign relations that he must be working closely with in most of his uh, assignments. The APRM, Minister Senzom Chunu from public service, will be assigned to do that work. So in some instances, I would say it's better for him to be domesticated, but at the same time, have a continental view. Advocate Mandula, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Matthew. That was Advocate Sipamandula, Mandula, a researcher with the Institute for Dispute Resolution in Africa at the University of South Africa, joining us on the line. Change Your Game is a weekly entrepreneurial program that targets entrepreneurs, especially youth, on the African continent. Last year, Google named me as one of the brightest young minds in the world. The program seeks to portray various opportunities and options that are available for entrepreneurs. I came up with the way for the world not to part. It focuses and highlights real issues concerning entrepreneurship. There are so many people whose potential is still untapped. At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy. Southern Africa, the African perspective. It's 7.30 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussan. The headline, South Africa's opposition EFF says it has no confidence in President Cyril Ramaphosa's ability to chair the African Union. Ramaphosa assumed the position at the AU headquarters in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. The United States has officially reacted to plans by Guinean President Alpha Conde to revise the constitution in a move aimed at running for a third term in office. And the Australian city of Sydney has been hit by the heaviest rains in 30 years 
bringing flooding and travel chaos and forcing thousands from their homes. Those are the stories making headlines. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. South Africa's opposition party, the EFF, has vowed to disrupt the State of the Nation address in Parliament on Thursday by President Sul Ramaphosa. The party says it wants to see the back of Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordhan before the day of the SONA. Malema addressed the media in Centurion Pretoria on Sunday following the party's strategic meeting, the plenum that seeks to pave a way forward for the EFF in the year 2020. Abongile Dumako reports. South Africans might see chaotic scenes at this year's State of the Nation address on Thursday. The EFF says it will make sure that Public Enterprises Minister Praveen Godan is shown the door and vacates his position in government. Party leader Julius Malema says right from when President Cyril Ramaphosa takes to the podium in delivering the sauna, they'll also start to demand that Godan be shown the door. He says things will turn out for the better this coming Thursday. Well, we are going to demand that Praveen must go. And we are going to demand that in Parliament. And we are going to have rolling mass actions on Praveen. Starting 13th February in Parliament. When Cyril starts, we start. That's how it's going to roll. When he starts speaking, we are speaking also about Praveen going. They were not going to be ruled here by Pravini. Yeah. It must come to an end. Malema has also made it clear that the EFF does not want to see former president FWT clerk at this year's SONA. We also call of the clerk to stay away from SONA and return the Nobel Peace Prize because he has proven to be an unrepented apartheid apologist. We will not share a democratic parliament space with an apartheid apologist who says apartheid is not a crime against humanity. Julius Malema says his party will make sure that the move by the DA to have public protector advocate Busisiwe Mkwebana removed does not succeed in parliament. He says this is a united action by the DA and the president Cyril Ramaphosa faction of the ANC to see Mkwebana out because of the findings she made against Ramaphosa on the CR17 campaign donation by Busasa. Malema says Mkwebana is not going anywhere. Are aware that Parliament has entered the frivolous and disingenuous motion of DA to remove advocate Mrs. Kwebane as a public protector. We will oppose this move, which is a united action by the DA and Ramaphosa faction in the ANC to, to the end. We have no doubt that this motion will be defeated. Meanwhile, the EFF says it has no confidence in President Cyril Ramaphosa as he assumes his position as the chairperson of the African Union, the AU. Ramaphosa was officially inaugurated as the leader of one of the most important organizations in Africa in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, yesterday. I am Abongile Dumago in Pretoria. Two people, including an eight-year-old girl, have been confirmed dead in South Africa's Gauteng province following this weekend's floods. At the same time, a woman from Kachiso, west of Johannesburg, is still missing and presumed dead. 
Heavy rains have wreaked havoc since Friday, leaving hundreds of people without shelter, especially in informal settlements in Alexandra and Soweto. Officials say Clipton has the highest number of displaced people. Wisani Makubele compiled this report. The mother of eight-year-old Lindiwe Golemin, who drowned during the weekend's flash floods, says her daughter, who witnessed the incident, is still extremely traumatized. The child died on Friday while crossing a stream near her home in Mplangin informal settlement in Rodeport, west of Johannesburg. Her body was found on Saturday following a search by emergency medical services. Her mother, Maria Golemin, says her child was trying to cross a makeshift wooden bridge with her elder sister. <laughs> As they were crossing over, the bridge collapsed and they fell into the water. Zikona tried to pull her out, but she struggled and then Lindy was swept away. She says her elder daughter is haunted by the images of the water, sweeping her little sister away. Zikona is not well. She cannot sleep at night because of what she saw. Lindy was a quiet child. She enjoyed playing. She loved her siblings and she was polite and well-mannered. The eight-year-old is one of the two people confirmed dead in Gauteng following this weekend's floods. However, a woman from Kahiso west of Johannesburg is still missing and presumed dead. Gauteng Disaster Management's Elias Sitole. One fatality is an eight-year-old school-going girl. She's from the Princess Informa Settlement. And the other gentleman is from the Douglas Dale. He's between the age of 30 to 35 years old. And then he drowned on Saturday. Unfortunately, we have got one fatality in the West Rand. But the search and rescue teams are still looking for uh, the lady who was washed away by the floods. Meanwhile, in Town Soweto, residents severely affected by the floods sought refuge at the local Walter Sisulu Community Hall. I am at a loss for words. I have lost everything. The only thing I could think of saving is my passport. We will go back to reconstruct our homes, but we can't do that now because we have absolutely nothing. These residents say they fear for their safety should the rain persist, but they have no choice but to stay in these structures which offer them little protection against severe weather conditions. I'm Wisani Makubele in Johannesburg. Belgium's outgoing Prime Minister Sophia Wilmers has wrapped up her three-day state visit to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Wilmers met with the country's President Felix Tshisekedi and Prime Minister Sylvester Ilunga. The Prime Minister ended her trip by attending the formal reopening of the Belgian consulate in Lubumbashi. Januel Bamweza reports from Kinshasa. The trip of Sophia Wilmers here in the Democratic Republic of Congo has come several years after relations between Brussels and Kinshasa have remained dark due to serious misunderstanding between Belgian authorities and the regime of DRC former President Joseph Kabila. The visit follows this country's current president, Felix Tshisekedi's diplomatic offensive that took him to several countries last year to try and reconnect the DRC to the world since the country has been disconnected from some others for years. 
The Belgium Prime Minister met with President Felix Tshisekedi on Wednesday here in Kinshasa. They discussed about bilateral cooperation-related issues involving Brussels and Kinshasa. Among the issues are business climate, military cooperation, development, human rights situation, support to the government efforts and more for both countries to resume their relations and make sure things won't stuck again. The same issues were discussed with her Congolese counterpart Sylvester Ilunga Ilunkamba on Thursday and after both meetings, the Belgian Prime Minister Sophia Wilmes spoke to the media in this way. The Belgium wants to be a true partner in a win-win relation for both countries' success. This is the first step of rebuilding lost relations and we have to know how to implement our common will to work together. On the other side, the Democratic Republic of Congo's Prime Minister, Sylvester Ilunga Ilunkamba, has expressed the satisfaction after the meeting with with the Belgian delegation headed by Prime Minister Sofia Wilmes. Ilunkamba described the trip the Belgian delegation has made here as a very important one for the history of cooperation between Brussels and Kinshasa. At this very time, the DRC is doing all the best to rebuild the economical and social conditions for the citizens' well-being. Sylvester Ilunga Ilunkamba. We thank the Belgian Prime Minister and the Belgian government for the will to support the DRC at this time. We're trying to do important economical reforms and we believe the presence of this delegation here brings a new phase in the common history of our two countries. And according to the Belgian Deputy Prime Minister in charge of finance and cooperation part of the delegation, Belgium is ready to resume the military cooperation with the Democratic Republic of Congo. Alexander Dikru believes the security situation remains destabilizing while his country has a rich expertise to share with the DRC in that way in terms of military and police service cooperation. And as far as investment is concerned, the Belgian Deputy Prime Minister said many investors are ready to bring money here, but what they question is security and business climate. And indeed, this is an issue that has been denounced as a blockage to this country's economy and development. The Democratic Republic of Congo's Anti-Corruption League has said Congolese youth are remaining unemployed for long as investors are afraid to come and invest here due to all this and corruption that is very, very high here. The League Executive Secretary Ernest Mpararo has called on this country's population to stand against this problem for many companies to come and create jobs here. They cannot invest in the country where corruption is very high. And when there is no investment so there is no uh, job and if there is no job it's people who will suffer because they don't have any job and the consequence is a, is a huge poverty and the huge insecurity in the city you'll see it in Kinshasa young people called Kuluna big problem in Kinshasa city the Kinshasa visit was the first leg of Belgian Prime Minister's trip here in the DRC before flying to the southeastern town of Lubumbashi in the Hokatanga province to reopen officially the Belgian consulate this Friday.
Prime Minister Sophia Wilmes has headed the Belgian delegation here 10 years after no official trip has happened between Belgium and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Jean-Noël Bamweze for Channel Africa in Kinshasa. More funds looted from Nigeria are being brought back to the country. For some 20 years now, Nigeria has been receiving money looted by the country's late dictator, General Sunny Abacha. The funds came in various amounts from different bodies, especially from the Swiss government under Olusugan Obasanjo's administration and the present government of Mohamedou Buhari. This time, however, Abuja is expected to receive $318 million from the U.S. Collins the Spanish fund, as it turned out to be, is to help Nigeria raise the level of infrastructural development which obviously would make a difference in the lives of Nigerians and Nigeria. Roads in the country have caused a great concern because of the level of dilapidation and this one can only expect that government would take seriously and walk the talk to the letter. Negotiations for the return was consummated in the United States of America and signed by officials of the United States, JC and Nigeria, concluding a process which left no one in doubt that there will be a lifeline for Nigeria's pocket that will help it solve pressing issues. In a telephone conversation from the United States after the deal was signed, Abubakar Malami, Nigeria's Attorney General and Minister for Justice, explained the route which the money will travel before Nigeria gets to fill it in its account. So uh, the common agreement is within 27 days. The money will leave the custody of island of Jersey down to the United States of America, and within 45 days, the money will be repatriated uh, upon receipt of them by United States of America will be repatriated to Nigeria. That report by Collins at Dohengbe. It's 7.45 Central African time and our economics update up next with Tabisolo Hoku. Thanks, Balungile, and good morning. South Africa's power utility, ESCOM, has downgraded load shedding to Stage 1 from 9 a.m. this morning. ESCOM lifted Stage 2 at 9 last night. It says emergency reserves have adequately recovered to allow for a reduction in the depth of power outages. However, ESCOM says that the risk of load shedding for the week remains and it will provide an update this afternoon on the prognosis for the rest of the week. The National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa says telecommunications company Telcom has been unable to justify why it plans to retrench 3,000 workers. Following a two-day consultative meeting facilitated by the CCMA, the union says it is not convinced that Cutting down on the workforce will address the stiff competition that telco management has cited. NUMSA spokesperson Pagami Lutlubi Machol. Furthermore, the presentation failed to address how telcom intended to attract new customers or increase revenue. They were unable to say exactly what steps had been taken to mitigate against this. We remain unconvinced that the cutting of so many jobs will improve telcom's core issues. A smaller workforce will not make it more competitive. If anything, 
it will mean that it is unable to service the public and its customers, something which it is already struggling to do with the current workforce that it has. Tanzania's Ministry of Energy has embarked on maintenance of power infrastructure countrywide to curb interruptions in various parts of the country. Minister for Energy Medat Kalimani said current power interruptions in various parts were not due to power outages but improvement and maintenance of infrastructure. Kalimani says contractors had been given six months to ensure the renovation and maintenance of power infrastructure were done. Meanwhile, World Bank says it will continue supporting Tanzania's development efforts. The new country director, Maramowik, says the relationship with the Tanzania is getting stronger every day and that she will maintain and promote the historic bond during her stay in the country at her capacity. Mowick made the remarks when she met the Minister for Foreign Affairs and East African Cooperation, Palamagamba Kabudi, in the capital, Dar es Salaam. The Central Bank of Lesotho has reduced the CBL rate to 6.25% from 6.50% in a bid to stimulate the country's lackluster economic performance. The CBL rate is the interest at which the CBL lends money to commercial banks who in turn fix own rates to lend to the public. The Monetary Policy Committee of the bank held its 81st meeting to determine the appropriate monetary policy action to execute its primary mandate of maintaining price stability. The US dollar is trading at 361.94 Nigerian Nara, 1080 Botswana Pula, 99.20 Kenyan Shilling and 14.66 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, the one US dollar will cost you 431 Brazilian roll, 63.78 Russian ruble, 71.36 Indian rupee, 7 Chinese yuan, and 15.4 to the South African rand. The US dollar is also trading at 77 pence to the British pound and at 91 cents to the euro. Looking at commodities markets now, gold $1,570, platinum $969, pounds, brand crude oil $54.34 a barrel. This is your favorite channel. Our sports update up next with Figile Lingwati. In this hour in our sports update, we begin with cricket news. Cricket South Africa, CSA, and the South African Cricketers Association, SACA, have agreed to a roadmap consulting process with regard to the review and possible restructure of domestic cricket in South Africa. This follows the decision of the CSA Members' Council on the 31st of January to rescind the previous decision taken to restructure domestic cricket to a 12 affiliate first 
class structure. In turn, Saka have withdrawn their application to the High Court as they and CSA have reached a confidential settlement agreement. The roadmap agreement complies with Saka's requirement to be consulted as required by the Recognition and Procedural Agreement of July 2018, which remains valid, binding and enforceable between Saka and CSA. Proteas team director head coach Mark Boucher believes that the one-day international team is heading in the right direction despite squaring the three-match ODI series against England 1-all. England won the third and the final ODI at the Imperial Wanderers in Johannesburg yesterday by two wickets after the host posted 257 for victory on a spicy deck. Boucher says they're happy with the players they gave a chance in this series. Yeah, bad toss to lose. It was a good toss to win in Cape Town. Um, we capitalised on that. Um, I think we always knew that the wickets were going to be a little bit spicy in the morning. So I wasn't too unhappy about the way we started. Fortunately, I think we just lost too many wickets um, when we just started getting a bit of momentum going. Probably 30, 40 runs short, but we'll be low par. And then uh, with the ball, we just started off really, really poorly. We always were playing, we were playing catch up after that. We had chances, we didn't take our opportunities. When you're 30, 40 runs short, you've got to, you've got to bowl well, especially up front, and you've got to take opportunities, and we didn't do that. That's why we lost. On to football news. Coming to this game, Orlando Perez coach Joseph Zinbauer have made a couple of changes to his starting lineup, bringing back the French goalkeeper Joris Dell and also starting Le Pass up front. When they finally took the lead in the extra time and with a one-man advantage, this is the time when Perez should have managed the game better. Zinbauer says they learned their lesson in this match. In the first half, he was not in the game. The, the plan was the other information what I give my players. And uh, yeah, when you have uh, when you conceded uh, two 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 uh, two goals, and then you come back, and then you go go in front, then normally you you win this game. But I say this for any weeks. We we need time. We we have to learn. And this, this is games. This, yeah, this is the game. What we learn, I hopefully uh, a lot of things. And in the normal time, when you are a little clever, you can. In tennis news, Roger Federer was victorious at the world record-breaking match in Africa at the Cape Town Stadium on Friday night, as he defeated longtime rival and friend Rafael Nadal 6-4, 3-6 and 6-3 in front of 51,954 fans, the largest ever crowd to watch an individual tennis game. It was an electrifying atmosphere through the evening and the crowd was entertained by the two tennis greats who were joined by Bill Gates and Trevor Noah in a doubles match for the Curtain Razor where Federer and Gates defeated Nadal and Noah. Federer says it was one of the most special nights of his career as his foundation raised over three million US dollars and broke the world record. It's true, there was world record too. I forget it almost with everything that's been going on. Uh, so many emotions, so many incredible feelings for me. We have it here, 51,945 people in attendance at a tennis match. I never thought I was going to be part of something like that, to be honest. It's not something you dream about. It just These things just all of a sudden happen and that we were able to be part of it. Finally, golf news. Nick Taylor fired a gritty two under par 70 last night to complete a wire-to-wire -wire victory in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am as Phil Mickelson faded in his bid for a record sixth title in the USPGA Tour event. 
Canada's Taylor claimed his second tour title more than five years after he won the Sanderson Farms Championship as a rookie in November of 2014. Leading Mickelson by one to start the day, he builds his lead to five strokes at the 10, only to see it dwindle to two through 14 as players battle in rapidly falling temperatures and gusting winds. That's the sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorla. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa. South Africa's president takes over the rotational chair of the African Union and Nigeria to recover 300 million US dollars stolen by its former military ruler. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. From myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuzura Magaza and Tutungobeni, technical producer Wiseman Mangele and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.org or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Ndando with a song titled Nono. Nono.